Okay. I did a podcast today, and someone asked me at the, at the end of this podcast, I forgot to tell you, but it was really sweet, really nice guy. Yeah, he was very happy. He was really nice guy. Mamash, a sweet guy. I think he's out in Maryland. And uh, every, pod, like every podcast is trying to, they have to be some kind of a chiddush. It can't just be the same question. So some people have different formats how they begin. Somehow different, different, different formats how they end. So this guy's format at the end, he asked, me a great, he asked me a great question. He said to me, if there was one song that you thought would have, would have gone really viral... Uh, but it didn't, or is there one song you thought, one song of yours you thought wasn't so good, but did go very, did go viral? Choose one. What would it be? Do you understand the question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I was, I love those kind of questions that actually make you think, and not just automatic, automatic answer. So he had me thinking, and then after I chose what song that I thought, that I thought maybe would have been better, would have been, would have gone out more. Then I had like 20, I, afterwards I wanted to stay on with him for like 20 minutes and give him a, tons of more ideas and tons of more uh, uh, thoughts of songs that maybe, I don't know, that I thought at the time it would have been, uh, it would have been stronger or songs that became strong that I didn't think were going to be so stronger. This is one that I, that, uh, who knows, it still could be. This is, I'm very connected to it, so maybe this is uh, just putting it out there. Tonight, Leilu Nishmas Sarah Raiza, Bat Sion, Bat Avram Yaakov Echayalea. Just one second. This name always touches my heart. This is the mother of uh, Avram Deutsch, of Alan Deutsch. And the reason why this name really is so sad for me is that the name Sarah Raiza Bat Sion 
She was named by the Eish Kodesh, by the Piyasetzner Rebbe, because his mother is from Piyasetzner. And the Piyasetzner Rebbe was the first person to say this name. And here we, did you know that? Avram Zaytch's mother was named by the Piyasetzner Rebbe. So here we are all these years later, you know, it must be like a hundred years later, and we're saying her name, we're learning Lilo Nishmat, someone who was named by the Piyasetzner Rebbe. That's very, very special. Okay, Chavra. The night shooting, we don't go so long. We try to go very deep, but not too long, because obviously we're all not 18. And it's harder to learn, a little bit harder to learn at night, but it's still something very chashuv. It doesn't always happen like this, and I don't ever like really speak like this, but in general, almost everyone I'm speaking to has been saying to me that their davening has been off. Their davening hasn't been on. They're having a hard time with davening. They're having a hard time with tefillah. They're having a hard time connecting. They're having a hard time like being where they would want to be in, in, in tefillah, in olam tefillah. Well, it's a wonderful time to address this because as we begin Sefer Shemot, we have to remember a very important yesod of Exodus, of Yitziat Mitzrayim. How and when did Geula really begin? And don't tell me when Hashem created the world. Like when, is, when did Mashiach start coming? So the Eber Chacham always says, well, from the moment Hashem created the world, Mashiach already started coming. Just like, when does this person begin to die? So the cynical answer is, from the moment they're born. But when it comes to leaving Mitzrayim, which is always what we talk about, everything, our whole lives, bless you, is Zeichel Yitziat Mitzrayim. When did Yitziat Mitzrayim really begin in the Torah? And it's very clear that it begins in the Torah, the moment that we allowed ourselves to just go, Oi! Sorry, there's a few babies here, right? Okay. <laughs> Six kids just woke right. up. Right. <laughs> Do you want to no. Okay, okay, so I don't feel so bad. Okay. So the, the moment there was a krecht, what's the pasuk? Vayizaku, batal, actually, begin before that. Vayamot melech mitzrayim, the king dies, the Egyptian king dies. And then finally, you could, if you could like, like do the motions of the psukim, it goes like this. Because what's the Pasuk? The Pasuk says like this. It's a great Pasuk. It says, What's an Anacha? Anacha is a krechts. It's, it's like a breath. It's like this. It's like, uh, but while they were doing that, because the Egyptian ruler just died and now they could breathe, something happened to them while they were doing that krechts. In the same Pasuk, they're not working so hard anymore. And then they start screaming. So again, they have a moment to breathe because the king died and now there's no one standing over them with the whip, at least for the moment. And while they're letting out a sigh, maybe of relief, maybe perhaps of relief, they discover something about themselves. Once they let themselves give a krecht, what do they, what do they discover? Oh my God, our, our pain is, is, is much bigger than that. Our pain is much bigger than just not being a slave. And this is very important. This will help us connect to Olam HaTefillah. I'm already telling you right now, we are going to be skipping over the first piece. Even though it's a beautiful, beautiful piece, the truth is, because we learn Ishbitz every Shabbos, maybe we can even say uh, that we'll... Uh, here, pass this down. We'll say it for Shabbos morning, and we're going to start from the Tiferet Shlomo. From the Radomsky Rebbe. Okay. Thank you. I saw this piece by the Radomsky. I always love the name of this. Obviously, the name of this Sefer, Tiferet Shlomo. It's always close to my heart, this name of this Sefer. Reb Shleime Rabinowitz, the Kohen from Radomsk, from the town of Radomsk. So, it's the second piece that you have in front of you. We're going to see here, very, in a very, in very briefly tonight, how Yidin connected, how Yidin connected tefillah, and if you allow yourself to see where this happens in your own life as well. Tiferet Shlomo, Perush. Ditchilat tzaakatam, when they began to let out a scream, hayarak mikoved hagalut mea avoda. When they began to krechts, it was almost like 
God, it's so intense being a slave. It's so hard being a slave. It's so heavy being in Galut. That's the beginning of letting out the krechts. And they let themselves kvetch. By the way, what voice inside of you prevents you from letting, telling God it's so hard? What does the voice sound like? The one that tells you, you don't have the right to tell Hashem that life is hard. What does that voice tell you? What's the reason behind that? Why, why aren't you, why don't you have the reshut to cry to Hashem and say how hard it is? Because it doesn't want you to build a relationship with them. Aleph, that's already, actually that's Kimmel. What's Aleph? What's before that? What's the sound? What's the wording that tells you who are you to kvetch? Meaning, what's the logic behind that, that chatterbox? Say thank you that you're alive. Say, th- say thank you for all the good that you have. You think you have it bad? Did you eat like you know, three beans a day in Auschwitz? Like that's, we have these lines in our, you know, grilled in, drilled into our mind that saying, who are you to krich? What, you think you have it bad? But, but in every stage in life, there's a place in us that wants to say, Hashem, my bag is hard. My bag is hard. So the deeper reason, though, is that the other side doesn't want you to begin to establish a relationship. So it disguises itself with words like, it's better, it's holier not to kvetch. It's holier not to kvetch. But really, the Yidden began here by kvetching. What was their beginning? It's hard. It's hard being a slave. And we could still say that, even though there aren't any Egyptian slave drivers standing on top of us, we have our own balaganim. It is hard. Life is just hard. Hard. I'm not talking about the bilbuliada of this, of the COVID business. That, that also is hard. It messes us up. It messes us up in our mind in terms of what on earth do we believe in? Who do we believe in? Who thinks what? And all these balaganim. But just life itself, raising a family, it's hard. Who are you to say it's hard? Say thank you, you have children, that they're healthy. Okay, but it's also hard. It's also hard. There's got to be space for that. So the beginning was, man, this is hard. This is very heavy. It hurts that it's so heavy. What happened to them, the, the Radomska says? They started getting happy that this was what, this what was hard for them in life. They realized why they were really in pain. They were in pain just because it's hard to be a slave. It's hard not to have religious freedom. That's what was hard. They realized that that's what was really hurting in them. On the outside, it, looked, it seemed like they just couldn't stand being slaves. But something transpired within them while they were listening to their own cry. This is an important thing. They were listening to their own kvetch. They were listening to their own craft. And they realized and understood it's more than just, I'm in, I'm in pain over being a slave. I'm in pain that I can't just be real with you, Hashem. I can't just serve you. I can't think about you. I can't dream about you. I can't be where my neshama really wants to be. And that makes me happy that it hurts me. That makes me happy that it hurts me. Do you see the difference? You ever get simcha over your pain? Because when you realize what you're, what you're sad over? If you're sad over, I lost that person's whatever, you don't get, so, you don't get happy that that's what's bothering you in life. If you get sad because you realize, if I had four more hours in a day, those are the hours I would give to you, but I, I just don't see where they can be. I don't have it. I want to be a better yid, a better father, a better spouse, a better son, a better husband, a better, a better brother. That makes me happy that that bothers me, okay? This is what was happening to the Jews, beginning to understand what was really hurting them inside. As long as they were slaves, they couldn't even figure out what they even wanted. The moment they get a tiny ounce of a breather, because Paro dies, so suddenly it's like, ah, yesh makom. Now I could start to krech, but... Oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what it is. The Zeb Perush, next line. 
ויענחו בני ישראל, שהיה נייחה בלבם מהעבודה קשה, רק ותל שבתם אל אלוקים, מה שנוגע לכבוד הבורא, היה יותר צר בלבבם מערך העבודה. They realized, the truth is, we could be slaves forever. But what's painful, what's painful is that what Kovach Shemaim comes out of me being a slave? And that's what hurt them. That they couldn't see how their existence in this world is bringing any Kovach Shemaim. They almost realized like, wow, I could do this forever. Look at me, I've been doing it for 210 years. I could probably go like this forever. They were like, oh, okay, Bayan Chu. Give me a little breather, I'll go back to work. Fine, and Baya. But what about you? What about you? What about your Kovach Shemaim? How does your, what, what, what's happening to your name, Hashem? This whole time that we're being slaves. Now remember, what's the name of this Sefer? Shmot. What's the first Pasuk in the Parsha? Ve'ele Shmot b'nei Yisrael ha'bayim Yitzrayma. B'nei Yisrael are very connected to their name. But when they think about Shem Hashem, they don't see how Shem Hashem is getting any bigger in the world at all. Who's making God's name great all these years in Egypt? Nobody. Nothing. I wonder, Mele, if they saw that some other Hebra are really getting it together... Well, they were slaves, right? Imagine they were slaves. Piton and Ramses, suddenly some tribe from the, I don't know. They're not so far from the, uh, who's that Hevra? Really cool tribe in, uh, in Africa. They have great music also. What's that Hevra? I guess it's, it's, it's the Ugandan, uh, Pirche Uganda? I don't know. Once, but no, they put out a they put out they put out an album a few years ago. Whatever it is, one of these tribes. Imagine one of these tribes is coming around, and they're doing their thing. They're praising Hashem. It's so beautiful. Maybe the Yidden would have been like, well, "I wish it was us," but at least God's name is being made great in the world. They don't see nothing, and that's what hurts them. So while they're having anacha, they realize, but it's not really. That's not really why I'm crying. I'm crying over you and the lack of you. Okay. Did they only realize that the, the, the actual pain that they thought they were in, <clears throat> that because then they became free, so you think that the, you think now you should feel good, but then they realize, wait, we still don't feel good. Is that, what, is that what's happening? Why, and, and, and then they ask themselves, and why don't I? But yeah, so, you know, they, I they should feel good. They the whole time that they were, like, they were down on themselves and they were hurting so bad right. because they were slaves. Right, and that's not... And, and then they realized... The second they let out a crack, no, that, that's actually not it. A similar thing happens, I feel, with, uh, with people. Like, if you're having a rough time financially, then you feel that, like, if, if only if I only. had money. So then you see, sadly, in Hollywood and lots of very yeah. wealthy people, their lives quickly go down. And the mm-hmm. reason why is they don't have that dream anymore right. about if, 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 if only. I, I'll be happy when I have money. They're if like, only. Uh-oh. Right. Instead, the word should be, I'll discover what makes me happy when I don't have this worry. That's a different Torah, right? But what you're saying is spot on, Turkish Airways. Totally on, Ari. Okay, so now, this is really, now, this piece from Reb Shlomo I never taught before, and I'm going to try to see if we could figure this out based on what we learned right now. When a person thinks about davening, when they're still in an Egyptian mindset, they say, if only I had money. It's a request, a specific request. Then they realize, that wasn't my real bakasha. That was not, why did I think that's what I really wanted? Mm-hmm. Happens to us all the Many people make aliyah under, under those things. If only I could make aliyah and go to Eretz Yisrael. Then they get to Eretz Yisrael and they're sitting here like, okay, no. It's, it's the means to something, but it's still not it. That's Maza, right? Okay. So now we're going we're gonna to basically cover a very, very monumental and deep yesod in the mystical tradition in Kabbalah. And we're going to do it in just a few minutes with language that seems like it's Kita Aleph. But that was his, that was his Reb Shlomo's brilliance, okay? In the Kabbalah, we know of the terms Or Pnimi, and or makif, inside light and surrounding light. And I want to pause here and just ask you, what mitzvah, what holiday during the year 
you feel this like resembled very strong. Or makif and or pnimi. Which holiday? Inner light and surrounding light. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Huh? I mean, maybe. It could be anything, really, but it's, there's one that really comes out strong. Yeah, my wife, no, my wife said it a lot. I was going to give another... Uh, I just said Huh? I heard you. <laughs> Sukkot. Because on Sukkot, the or Pnimi is I hold the Dalil Minim right here, Pnima inside, right over here, while I'm surrounded with or Makif of the Sukkah. This is one of the, when you go into the world of Ishbit, the later generation, Sodi Shayim Tiferes Yosef, those later Sfarim, they basically drop the most beautiful designs of ultimate Kedusha is when they're both, when the Or Makif and the Or Pnimi are happening simultaneously. But let's understand what does Or Makif and Or Pnimi literally mean to the best of our, of our ability. It can't just be you have to wait for Sukkot to have these things work. It's not just Sukkot, it's Bichlal, it's our lives. Our lives are about or makif, surrounding light, and or pnimi. Listen to how he says this. Or pnimi means I have a very strong light, but I still have vessels to hold on to it inside. Hold on. Or makif means I have such a strong light, I can't keep it inside. I don't have vessels to keep it inside. It's basically spilling out of me. Again, or pnimi, I have light that doesn't need to be expressed. I don't have to cry over it. It's inside, and it all fits inside of me. No one worries. Or makif, it surrounds me because it's pouring out of me. Whatever that light is, whatever that tefillah is, it's pouring out of me. Now he's going to explain it a little bit more in tefillah. Let's put it this way. Sometimes I'm broken, but I don't show it on the outside. Like probably... All of you, right now. No, I'm just, I don't want to mess with you. I'm stunned. I'm kidding. Everyone here is fine. No one's broken. Let's put it this way. Again, sometimes I'm broken, but I don't show it on the outside. Sometimes I'm so broken, I can't hold on to it inside anymore. If you ask me how I'm doing, I'm just going to start crying and telling you my, my whole story. Maybe even without you asking. You ever have that with someone? Hey, Shalom Aleichem, good morning. How are you? I thought you'd never ask. Or, you know, and then the whole mabu that ever happened since there. It just happened to you? No, he gets it every day, all day. But he always gets it. But he's saying someone, uh, pretty much, stranger just did it. Oh, yeah? You, yeah? You're something like that. You're a magnet? Yeah, are you? Magnet, yeah. I just want to know when you're paying. <laughs> That's all. Some, but sometimes we like, we, 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 like people, people say you wear your emotions on your, uh, on your sleep. It's almost like, it's almost like there, I don't know of any other way of living. I can't just, you know, if you're asking me how I am, or even if you're not asking me, but you're acknowledging my presence, it means you're giving me the okay to, to, to just go for it. And I just feel like such a nebuch, but I have to do it. I can't hold on to it. I can't walk around pretending that I have it all together, because I don't. Now, when you look at a person like that, then what do you think? <clears throat> nebuch, they have no kalim. Let's, let's admit it. A person that walks around like that, you look at them like, oh, never. they have no kalim. They have no vessels for themselves. They have no vessels for their own light. They have no vessels for the dreams Hashem has for them. Or makif. They have a lot of light, but it's makif. It's, out, it's, it's spilling out. So look how he says about David HaMelech. David HaMelech says that the prayer of the poor is like the surrounding light. Tfila la'ani ki ya'atof. You know what la'atof means, right? Atifa. It's a wrap. It's the outside, right? I just can't hold on the pain inside of me. And before Hashem, he just pours out his words. He pours out his heart before God. Can you imagine what kind of a heart pouring it is if it just flows out of you? When your pain has reached the level that you just can't hold on to it inside anymore? What do you think is a higher prayer? The one that you have vessels for that doesn't pour out of you because everything's you know, measured and it's okay? Or the one that you can't control and you just pour it out? What do you think is higher? The one that you can't control. The, the, the poor. The poor man. If my prayer 
is on the level that I could still keep it inside, then the way I pour it out to God is also on an inside level. I pray on a finite level. It's like having a request to please help me. Like, I need that money. That kind of a pouring out. That kind of a, of a davening. But imagine I simply can't bear the pain anymore. It completely surrounds me, and then I pour out my heart. And then the way I ask for help is on an infinite level. God answers my prayer on the level I ask for it. If I pray on a finite level, the answer is also finite. If I ask infinitely, the answer is also infinite. I'm going to ask you guys a very straight, straight question. Who is davening for the Geula on the level of the Or Makif today? Who davens for who? Hmm? Only. That's why I said Rashut. I'm going to ask you a very straight question. The only, the only type of person in this world that can go to that place is the one that there's no clea in the world that can contain a Mashiach-less reality. And what clea can contain acceptance of a world without Mashiach? Kimat everyone else. It's Kaylee. Bemida. You know? It's like, okay. God answers my prayer on the level I ask for it. Do I ask for Mashiach? Do I ask for Geula on a finite level or on an infinite level? Do I ask for Mashiach like an Ani? Or like a Balabas that has everything with Sudar, Akol Besedem, it's inside. I need this for that, I need that. And then when Mashiach comes, I'll have a base of Migdash and then I'll have Korbanot and you think of it like that. On what level are we asking for Mashiach to come? On what level are we asking to get out of our own current galut? The tricky thing is, is that it's much harder for people that live in Eretz Yisrael. Because in America, you're hopefully not under the assumption that Mashiach came. Here, we're kind of in the in-between. Kind of. It's like we're back here. We build these beautiful homes and hopefully like beautiful societies and schools and shuls. And... But what happened to the infinite cry for Mashiach? What's going to drive that to come about? It's very bizarre. We're like in the in-between here. Like what's going what's gonna to bring out an infinite calling for Mashiach? What in my life do I cry for that's like an infinite, infinite prayer? And what do I just ask for? That's a finite prayer. Because he says here, God answers my bold typo. God answers my prayer on the level that I ask for it. If I pray on a finite level, the answer is also finite. Meaning, if only money would get me out of this, then Hashem will say, that's what you're asking for? Okay, I could give that to you. Let's see how you deal with that. You think that answers you everything? If I ask infinitely, the answer is also infinite. So my shaila is, what does it mean to ask for something infinitely? Who knows the answer? If it's about a Kaddish Baruch Very good. The Yidin and Mitzrayim came to the realization during their crying that they thought it's about their pain, but while they're crying, they're like, no, no. This is about God's name. Did I tell you this story about a woman that called me a few weeks ago from New York? There's, it was in such, I forget if I, if I said it here, I don't know, remember where. And she was in such pain, there was like a, a whole balagan she's in with another family. And she came to the realization that what hurts her the most is that she feels like Hashem is not winning. Did I say that here? Does anyone remember? Woman Sheer? That Hashem isn't winning. It, now, I didn't, I didn't obviously ask, how do you know that, that that's really the... I, be, I take this person's word for it. It's a very special yid. Right? But how do I know if I'm crying because Hashem is not winning? Meaning, what does it mean that I look at Leman Shmo and I say, your name, Hashem, is not becoming... Based on my limited perception, it's your name that's not getting bigger in the world. Yeah. Hashem, when his name is not getting bigger in the world, we've experienced this for the last 3,500 years where Hashem is being hidden from us. It's not like he's 
we, we need to ask him for the light to come and unhide his face, to show me his face. And that's what I think... For whose sake? What? For whose sake? For all of mankind, for every creature, for every blade of grass, for every uh, uh, flake of snow. Okay, maybe not flake of snow, but, you know, but for everything that happens in the world. But the forefront of it is? That Hashem has to be front and center. It is about Hashem. Mm -hmm. If it's really about Hashem, then everyone benefits. If it's about just making sure everyone benefits, I may be, it may be easy for me to remove the Rebona Shleim from the picture. <laughs> well, there were moments he wasn't so hidden. No? Weren't there some big blasts of revelation the last 50, 60 years? No? There have been no... Huh? 48 and 67 weren't great blasts of, of revelation? I, I was. No, I think I was. You're right. Like the forty-eight happened, and this means Shemaim. I was a little. I was a ten-year-old kid during the Gulf War. Eleven-year-old kid during the Gulf War. I was living here in Israel. I lived in Ranana. My the buildings shook with every scud. They didn't fall in Ranana. They were falling in Bnei Brak and in uh, Ramat Gan in Tel Aviv, not so far away. The whole place shook. Mamish shook. Right. And we all know how many casualties took place then. Right? These are revelations that are hard for us to really wrap our head around them. This happens all the time, but we've, we've kind of got accustomed to, like, uh, like, like, a lot of mayhem not happening. We've kind of like got accustomed to it. So we don't even, we, I don't think we'd know revelation if it smacked us in our face. I'm sorry, I hate to say it. I don't think we would recognize a godly revelation if, it's, if it knocked on our door and say, I'm here to let you know that miracles are taking place right now in your life. I don't even think we'd know it. Because I think that it's not about the miracles happening, it's about us going, I'm not going to scream now, I'm saying, it's about us going to the place of Yidin, where it was, Like davening, infinite, no holds barred, nothing holding back. Going to the place of infinite prayer, not asking for, if only I had this, then I'd be happy. It's that I can't hold back anymore, Hashem. I'm just putting it all on the table. And yes, I know I'm supposed to be grateful and thankful and focus on my gifts and all that. Ubecholzot. Yes, thank you, I have a home. Thank you, I have a husband, a wife, children. I have, even I have a few shekels in the bank. And I have friends, and, and still, and still, there's something in me that wants to cry out to you, and Hashem is saying on the other side, why do you feel you're not worthy of that? Why don't you let yourself go there? Because you feel guilty? The Egyptian is still there over us like this, saying, don't go there. Right? You don't want to have it. That's a relationship with God. That's, we're not allowing that. And I think that we have to realize that you know, this is the war we're, it's, it's mamish head on right now. Because I'm seeing a lot of places davening is really shvach. It's very shvach. It's like the, the personal prayer. People's davenings are just, are just not on. Even if yeah, we have some good davening on Shabbos, hopefully, Bezrat Hashem. But kichlal this sense of tefillah, there's something there. It always happens around these parashiyas of Shemot. I think it happens when everything's going too good. Like, I, I, I see with most people, like, their feel is better when things... It's, it's so nice, maybe, that everything's going so well for people that you're saying that everyone's having a hard time right. with tefillah, but, like, you see it when it's harder times that... that then, then, then it's on. Let's see what he said. Did you see a difference? Did you see it more on last night? When you were having... The last time I, I sensed it nationally was when the three boys were kidnapped. Mm -hmm. That's the last time you felt that. But that, that was a real, real need. That there was this, that there was this Lifne Hashem Yishpoch Sicha. Yeah, but that was already... How many years ago was that? Seven years. Seven? I think that was the last time there was this sense, like, you know, on a cloud level. Yeah. Is there crying? Yeah. They're crying out because they realize that 
The slave driver is preventing them from having... The infinite cry comes because they realized their cries until then were finite because they couldn't get to a place to have those infinite cries because the slave driver was on top of them. Nahon. So the moment he wasn't on top of them... The crash of, the, oh my God, I can't even... I haven't even been able to... Bidiuk, bidiuk, bidiuk. And by the way, then the, the Pesukim then say, Vayishma Elokim, Vayedai Elokim. It's like this whole, like, yeah, Yashem is saying yes. This is what it's, you know, this is what it's about. Let's look Why back in... Why at this time of year do you feel this? That everyone's feel is kind of flat this time, at this point? Oh, personally? Well, I don't know. There's no reason. I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any deep answers. Stam, I just, I don't know, Chana, you know, Roshan Kippur, it's like you had, okay, after Sukkot, I got Hanukkah. Then after Hanukkah, you're like, no one's like, oh, I get to be shvat. I don't know anybody that's really like that, right? <laughs> it's, it's poor. <laughs> right, they have an extra waiting this year till Purim to taste this, like, hit, you know, divine light. I don't know. It could be that. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go back inside. Uh, skip to the next paragraph. When a person is sick with the flu, he prays to get cured, and he gets cured from a type of, that type of flu. But if a person is nearly dead and he prays and gets better... He's so full of light and of joy. You know what kind of miracle happened to me? I nearly died, and I'm alive. You understand what he just said? When someone gets, when someone davens to get cured from a specific illness, like a flu, what kind of tefillah is that? Which or is that? Pnimi, finite, bidiuk, finite. When someone's near death, and then they let it out, and then they get saved from that, that's or makif. That's that's the sur- yeah. That's the surrounding light. It's not like oh Hashem, I just don't want to not have a cold, which is also a level of prayer, by the way. I don't want to nix. I don't want to rule that out. That's also something. But to us, it's like we're okay with just putting band aids on all the things that bother us. Look what look what the look what the, all the governments in Israel have been doing for so many years. It's all just band aids. It's all shekers of band-aids of like, well, just hopefully this will work and we'll quiet this down. Who's coming with a besorah of like, bless you, who's coming with a besorah of like, no, no, no. We're, gonna, we're almost dead. You, Hever, you re, do you realize what's happening in this country between the north and the south right now? Because we live in a little bubble. Do you guys know what's happening in the Galil and in the Negev? The forces you should know. Sorry? The force is already in the Lebanon. The force is in Lebanon. It's crazy out there. It's crazy, and it's, it's almost like it's, it's, it's a weird coma we live in. It's just because we're, we're so consumed and overwhelmed with, with everything. But there's, we're just putting little finite prayers everywhere. What about an infinite prayer? What happened to the, to the cry for the Mashiach? What happened for the cry of the Gula? I'm not trying to like exaggerate. I just don't know anyone else that's involved in what you're doing, Esti. Like I don't know anyone else that's pushing that anymore. I don't know. You're pushing them. <laughs> These are things that we need to we need to just put it on the table. That the when we read the story of Mitzrayim about how we got out of the of Mitzrayim, they weren't asking vayizaku. They didn't start saying, Maybe that was the beginning of their cry. But the end of their cry was, No. The cry became so much more rich, so much more infinite by the end of the krechts. The lights of heaven are shining on two levels. Sometimes they're shining on Or Pnimi and sometimes on the Or Makif level. Sometimes I'm asking God for one favor and the way my prayer depends on where my prayer came from. Let's say I ask God to help me find $10,000. If my prayer was on the level of inside light, then God helps me on the inside light level. He helps me find someone to give me $10,000. That's a finite prayer. But if I say, God, please Hashem, I'm so broken and my prayers on an infinite level, on an or makif level, then suddenly, suddenly everything goes good in my life. My whole life changes. Everyone gets well. Everyone becomes good. Everything becomes good. 
That's Geula. That's Geula. The other way of that, that that's Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. That's leaving Egypt and you thought it was just to stop being a slave. You're about, you're about to receive the Torah on Har Sinai. You're about to see, you're about to cross a sea. <laughs> you're about to receive the Torah Har Sinai and then go to Eretz Yisrael. You have to understand, go to the mindset of the slave the moment before they let themselves krechts and then go to the mindset of that slave the moment they allowed themselves to roar. I, know, I see people in my life and I've seen these people that come on the Ukraine trip and they go to that place. It's two different people. Mm-hmm. It's the person that was sort of aware of their kochot and they reached their potential based on what they thought was their koch. Then there's the person that lets themselves soar in prayer and they discover things about themselves they never ever imagined they could feel. So Reb Shlomo says, when I go to Hashem on an infinite level, I'm not asking for specifics, it's just Ribbono Shil Olam. This is not working. And I don't have any if-only statements to give you right now. Amamash, I don't have any if-onlys. Can you imagine if we rid ourselves of all the if-only I had this or didn't have this, or that thing was taken care of? All that is not part of my tefillah anymore. And I go to a place that is rid of all the if-onlys. That means that that shav'ah, that scream, has wings. That prayer that is not bound by if-onlys, which kind of like keep it down here, goes up, 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 and that's what reaches the Ribbon HaShalom. It seems to me, even though I don't think these pieces were taught in any type of connection to each other. Maybe I'm wrong, I doubt it. But it seems to me that what the Radomsky Rebbe was saying in our piece in the beginning is that that what was regarding the covet of Hashem became the forefront of their prayer. The covet of Hashem knows no, no borders or boundaries. You can't give a finite prayer about Kovat Hashem. You can put a finite prayer for your own expenses, even for your own health. I want this person to be better, me to heal from this. When, it, when it's Kovat Shemaim, can you ever say, Hashem, I really would like your cover to shine brighter in this context. No, 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 no. It's, an, it's everything. And when you tune yourself into something that can't be put in any borders, every other aspect of your life starts to become better. Mm-hmm. Better. It's not like, remember that, that book that was pretty big a few years ago? They did a movie out of it. Um, we had it in the house. The Secret. Do you know that, you know that book, The mm-hmm. Secret? Yeah. Do you remember it? No? Law of Attraction. Mm-hmm. Law of Attraction, right? That's, that's Law of Attraction on a finite level. And even that's a little... That's the only problem, right? You see, yeah, because if you put Hashem into it, then the law of attraction would be infinite, right? So what does it mean that everything else in life would be better? If your pain in life is over the galus ha everything else in life gets better. So you can actually just pray for that. You have to understand what you're praying for, though. That's already a next... That's a different shear. What does it mean? How do you know how to daven over galus what does that actually even mean? But at least that should be a goal. But can your tefillah be the, the or pinimi tefillah, I need this. Because without this, I feel there's something missing in the, the world. <clears throat> Connecting those two? Or is or, mak, or, or makif is disconnected completely from an or pinimi tefillah? They could be connected. Over here it's connected. Yeah. That's how it starts. It starts from something finite, and then they realize uh, it's not really that. But they realize it's not really that. The question is, what if they said it is that? It's that you, like the the $10,000 tefillah, and they say, there's this $10,000, and the world would be, you know, the, your name could be so much bigger if Mm -mm. I had that. No, No. it doesn't. $10,000 no. is temporary. No. 
that making that name bigger is just temporary as long as that for that short time that whatever that ten thousand dollars yeah. would do, that's the final box. Right. I don't think so. But but Esti, I think what you're saying is that it began with they didn't know even that the infinite is possible. I don't think they understood there's even something called an infinite prayer. It started with their pain. It just started with their pain. That's how it's gonna start, by the way. But yeah, it actually right. It can't start from ghosts. You were humans. It can't start from like really being in pain while I'm suffering and forgetting completely about my own. It's very very high level. But that's okay. See, that's the voice that tells you, who are you to kvetch about anything? Who am I to kvetch? Life is hard. But if I tune into what's really hurting me and I allow myself to kvetch over it, I have to believe that I'm going to get to what it's really worth to cry about in life. That's the, that's the mahalach of this one pasuk in the parsha. But that's the beginning of the geula. All of Chazal say the geula did not start until we started screaming. Didn't start. And on Shabbos, I guess we'll see, the, the Meshilach explains it, it, it in a beautiful way the Mahalach of these words, of the beginning of the screaming, the beginning of the crying. So I give us a bracha to allow ourselves to, to, to kind of like shut down any voice that tells you, who are you to kvetch about anything? Life is so good. Life is so good. Who are you to kvetch about anything? Do you know what my grandmother went through? To just, those, that's never helped anybody deal with problems in life. I don't know anyone that's actually like gotten their life together because they compared their tsaras to a previous generation and came to the realization that they have it really good, they should just be happy. And inside, they really resolved everything. It doesn't happen. You can say thank you and then continue to cry over... You can say thank you while you're kvetching, yeah. Ugh, oh, this stinks, thank you. This is... <laughs> Real Brestlevis says thank you in between the I hate, thank you, this. And stira. And stira. Hashem doesn't even Hashem doesn't know what you're what you're thinking, what you're feeling. The only thing is, is that Hashem knows, but you don't know. <laughs> I just feel so knows. phony to say thank you for this and thank you when it's really hurting on the inside. Yeah, that's why I don't. By the way, what I don't say thank you because I know you're supposed to. I, I say thank you even though it hurts. I say I'm still thanking you for the good things, mm-hmm. but while I'm in pain. There's two shitas in breast of one says, and I'm thanking you because I know that from this will come good. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very high level to say that with utmost sincerity. Or there's a level of saying, I wish I could say thank you for this and say this is so good, but I'm just going to be honest with you, Rabbanu This is bitter pain. Mm-hmm. And one day, hopefully, I'll say thank you. Mm-hmm. But there's always something that, to thank him for. No, no, but we're speaking about the specific... Pain that you're experiencing. Like, uh, been saying, thank you. Just Who? Really yeah, right, right, right. I think also the difference right. turning to Hashem for a finite thing, even if you don't get the results that you're asking for, there's still a relationship that's building. There's still sure. a communication. Sure. Even if you, the answer is no, like, you know, yeah. from uh, the Waxmans, even if right. the answer is no, there's still a communication. Right. Yeah, dear. I'm just thinking, it seems like if you have an open heart and if you're connected with other people, then you wouldn't get stuck in this, like, Mokhin de Katnos of my small problem. But at the moment you're aware of other people's sufferings and pain, then it's almost, you can't, you can't think small. Mm-hmm. It's, well... Uh, you can think small, but you're drawn to pull yourself away from it. It's like the moment you start speaking about something very specific, about my specific pain, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I know this is not my, I'm not the only person to be suffering. Right. Like, I'm not alone in this pain. And then, and then you begin to think bigger and, and yeah. realize yeah. it's not just about me. It's not just me. Like me. Nothing. bigger going on here. That happens a lot with when you realize that you're not the only person that's suffering with the problems that are coming from your children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the only, you're not the only individual. Now, it's true, it doesn't solve your own problems with your children. It doesn't solve it, but it's the beginning to a redemptive way of looking at the, at the problems as opposed to a slave mentality of looking at the problems.
It normalizes. It, yeah, it brings it to a place where I could do something with it. When, yeah, yeah. When things are going very well, like you were saying, very difficult to open up to Hashem and cry out to Hashem. But if you take the if you take the um, the, the sense of I'm crying out to Hashem, so everybody could feel the way I do, not only from a negative perspective, but from a positive <coughs> perspective. When we say uh, when we ask for a refuah shlema. For those individuals, I have it, but I'm asking for others as well. So we have to open up ourselves for everybody and not be selfish if things are going good for yourself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. In the yeah. world, that's like perfect. We should be crying for others. And that's when we get Mashiach. I mean, yeah, Dina. Just to clarify, okay. what I mean by that is that, is that the moment you're aware that there are many other people struggling with your very with your struggle mm -hmm. right i don't just mean oh that makes everything better i mean then you're no longer thinking oh you know hashem if you could just you know this school situation is really it's it's really getting to me it's, it's very difficult could you just sort out this specific teacher for my specific child you're like no way there's something much bigger happening here like there's, you know, there's the world, there's like, oh, I just want to educate my child, you know, I just want to educate my child in a way that is most, it, that's most suited for this specific, can you, and then, and then you think bigger, do you know what I mean by that? Better. So that's what I mean by Better. knowing that, yeah, 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 so I give us a bracha, v'yizaku v'tal shalatam l'alukim, and somehow our davening, Whoever's in this parsha that I'm talking about, maybe in this room it's just me, but whoever else is in the parsha of like, I need to refresh my, I need to reestablish my, my excitement towards not just excitement, but my sense, my feeling, my, my strong place during tefillah. The reading it, learning it in the parsha, reading this pasuk, should be able to give me everything that I need to get my tefillah back on. And Bezrat Hashem will get out of any Mitzrayim that's still left, and Hashem will reveal to us a way, our memory of what it was like to cry over Mashiach at one, at once upon a time. And that Khalila, we shouldn't have to go through any, anything else to push that button to get us to cry over the infinite stuff. There are enough things. Bezrat Hashem. Shkayach, everyone. Thank you, Krams. Thank you.